0: The scripture reading for our meditation today is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Philippian congregation, the second chapter, verses 9 through 11. Therefore, God has highly, also has highly exalted him, that is Christ, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would now strengthen our faith through them. Amen. Back in the 1500s, in the area that we today know as the Vatican in Rome, uh, a new chapel had been built that they wanted to decorate and paint so the Pope commissioned Michelangelo to paint the Sistine Chapel and inside of that beautiful chapel is some of the, some of the most famous paintings in the world of course on the ceiling and walls and front wall, back wall, everything and um, one of the Pope's right hand assi- assistants, a guy by the name of Biagio Martinelli. Does that sound Italiano or what? Huh? Biagio Martinelli. But Biagio Martinelli uh, would go in almost every day and check on Michelangelo's work and he was very critical of Michelangelo's painting and would occasionally make comments about how he should do this and that differently. So on the back wall of the chapel as you were exiting and going out, this huge painting was a picture, a depiction of the judgment scene. And uh, it has Christ seated way up high, and those who are in heaven, and then down below is, right by the doors as you go out, are those who are suffering in hell and being condemned. And on the face of one of those devils who is controlling who's going to hell, Michelangelo decided to paint Martinelli's face. And so I always thought when he left that chapel every day, uh, during worship services. Can you imagine looking at the hell scene and seeing your face represented in there? Judgment Day is something that it's, it's so far removed from us, it's almost hard for us to envision what it would be like. It's hard for us to get our minds around what what this tremendous event is going to be like, The the scale of it the enormity of it with the amount of people that are coming to be judged we're we're told that every every person who's ever lived will be brought before the judgment scene of christ and the the glory and majesty of of christ sitting there on his throne it's hard for artists even to try and capture this Uh, because it just it just it just seems so like such a foreign concept to us it's so far removed from us the text that we have before us today transports us somewhat to that scene. And it talks about Christ seated in his glory and in his majesty. And Saint Paul says this, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This, this one who's sitting on the throne, a human being, and yet at the same time, true God. In fact, as Paul writes in many of his letters, In Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead lives in bodily form. Just think what that is saying to us, that in this human being of Jesus Christ, all the fullness of the deity that made everything lives in bodily form. It's just hard for us to get our heads around that. In eternity, Paul is saying, there is nothing but submission to Christ there's nothing but bowing to him and submission to him and it's found in two different forms the first form is forced submission regretful submission by those who did not acknowledge him as their savior forced submission we think of Jesus parable of the rich man in hell who uh, by his unbelief is taken to hell and he's crying out to Abraham in heaven to send somebody to to cool his tongue and also to to go back and talk to his brothers so that they don't end up coming there. He now is forced to submit that Christ truly is the Savior, that he didn't believe in this life and that he cast aside in this life. Regretfully, he now has to submit to Christ. Every knee will bow to Christ. I think of Pontius Pilate, that, that Jesus came before him in his earthly court and by his decree ended up going out to be crucified. Think about how, how Pilate viewed this, this little guy in front of him from Nazareth, this Galilean who just seemed like such an insignificant person in history and the way he abused him and, and mistreated him. Think what it's like for Pontius Pilate on Judgment Day To have to now come face to face with Christ on his throne as the Son of God. Think about the soldiers who spit on Jesus. Think about those that that whipped him and mocked him and made fun of him and put a crown of thorns on his head and bowed down to him and laughing at him and, and treating him like he was the most foolish, ignorant person that had ever lived. Think what it's like for them to stand in front of the exalted Christ, the Son of God, glowing in all of His glory, in all of His power and majesty and might. What a completely different perspective they must have. So, there will be submission to Christ. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that He really is the Christ. Sad to say, for many, for the majority, it will be a regretful submission and a forced submission. But then, of course, there's the submission to Christ of faith. The Son of God did not come into this world just to become a human being in theory or to be like an actor that just kind of acted out a part for us. But he became a human being like you and me in absolutely every way except sin. The one exception was sin. And it's kind of interesting, isn't it, that the one thing about his life as a human being that Characterized him as different from us is the very thing he came into this world to save you and me from our sins. And so, God rightly refers to him as Emmanuel, God with us, God Himself in the flesh, who has now come to be in our world and to be part of us as we look forward to His birth coming up at Christmas time. In the 300s, there was a Christian preacher by the name of John Chrysostom. And this is what he writes about Jesus, about the Son of God coming and becoming a person. He says, in order for a mediator, a go-between, in order for a mediator to join two sides together, he must belong to both and be able to identify with both. So in this exalted Christ is still our brother is still our fellow human being who came into this world not simply to identify with us and not simply to understand our world but to live out a perfect life for you a perfect record for you before god and to ultimately die for you and me before god when i think of jesus on his throne i sometimes am reminded of the uh story the great story of joseph in the old testament if you remember joseph's brothers thought that their puny little brother was not even worth living they were going to kill him at one point but finally were talked into selling him into slavery he was taken to Egypt and they thought he was out of their hair and away from them and then many years later as they come here their brother without them knowing it has risen to the position to the to the right hand of, of the Pharaoh the king of Egypt probably the most powerful ruler in the world at the time and here, here is now uh, their brother and they they're not aware of it and uh, we think of how in that that story in the book of Genesis how they come before him afraid that they're now going to be judged and maybe even be put to death and suddenly Joseph reveals himself to them as their loving brother who had forgiven them It's kind of a little picture for us there's probably something in you right now and as there can be in me too when we look to judgment day as, as something a little bit Intimidating and fearful we know of God's grace. We know what Christ is on but there's still There's still an opinion of the law inside of us that knows how we've lived I still know what my life is like I still know all the wickedness that I've done in my life And it's easy for that to, to rise up and to cause me to be fearful of of that type of a scene But the one sitting on the throne who will be your judge is your brother He's got the scars in his hands that prove that he paid for all of your sins to forgive you. And he's your loving brother who seeks to embrace you and welcome you into his beautiful home in heaven. When we're finally in heaven, we're going to get to talk to people that knew Christ during his earthly life. That'll be interesting. And to find out, what was it like to grow up as a teenager with Jesus in your neighborhood? What was it like to work on a a building of a house or something with his dad, and you were there along with the crew? What was it like to, to hear him talk and to be around him? I think of the centurion, who at one point in Jesus' crucifixion scene is helping to affix him and his body to a cross, feeling that he's one of the great malefactors that must be put to death by the Roman rule. And yet, just maybe hours later, he says, surely this was a righteous man. Today is the day, not after you die, today is the day to bend the knee to this exalted Lord, because he's also your loving Savior. Amen.